Yeah, I don't talk to audiences. I'm sorry, I don't. Um, <laughs> but I have Lachlan Cross on the show today. No, I um, Lachlan, yeah, there you go. I, this is what I wanted to talk to you about, <laughs> but later in the show. Um, I don't know how to talk to these people. I don't know how to look at this little circle on my computer and pretend that there's like people there. Oh, we're live? Are we yeah, live? Yeah. We're not just See? recording? Because I'm not the guy that's good. Watch, this is what I would do if I was trying. Hey, my name is James DeFiore, and welcome to Black Bald, the podcast. I am bald. I am not black. This is Lachlan Cross. <laughs> like, well, like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what's interesting about the whole live versus recorded thing is I... I I've been doing this a long time and I can't explain it. There is this, this muscle that kicks in or this, this thing that when you're alive just takes over when you've been doing it long enough. Yeah. It, if you're recording, it just, it has a different feel. And if you're, if you're on a podcast and you're going live with guys that have done radio for a long time, you'll feel the difference. Oh, I did <laughs> when I started with you and Dean. Yes. Like, that it, was like the greatest. Okay. Let me not. I, I don't want to like inflate your five beer soaked brain right now, but like, it, you know, it, it was, it, it was a, uh, you know, in my quieter moments, I was like, this is pretty dope. Like I'm just tossed in with these two veterans and I think I'm, I'm not matching their experience clearly um, in the sense that like they, you guys have been doing it for a long time. But, you know, I was able to find my own little nook, I guess you could say, and, yeah. like, and try to do that as well as I could. Um, the talking to the audience thing, funny enough, um, when I was, uh, I was doing slam poetry for like 10 years, not as like my main thing, but, you know, like once a month go to like a contest or a club or something like that where people snap their fingers between verses. And I would go up there and do really like edgy shit when everyone else was talking about the love of da, 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 da. and I was like dropping straight hip hop acapellas. <laughs> right. And yeah. everyone was like, I don't know how to take this person. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. but I had stage fright, like mad stage fright at the beginning and yeah. to get over it, I went to union station in Toronto and it, there's like, I don't know what it is like 12 uh, stops when you get to Bloor. Mm -hmm. And I would do a piece in the middle of rush hour from union to the next stop. Then I would get out. Then I get back on again when the next train come and I do a piece to the next stop. So I just be like belting out this verse in on the middle of a crowded subway train to get over my stage fright. And that's wow. What, yeah. And that's what Honestly, I did. It was awful at the beginning. Holy crap. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I could do anything now. <laughs> there's Tell me levels, what you want. There's levels of, of, uh, of stage fright like i've had different versions of it over the years i i had it at the beginning of my career in radio mm -hmm. just going on the radio i was i was nervous i've had it because i played in bands i've had it in uh, in that i've had it doing um different things outside of the radio station where people are sitting in front of you right and that has yeah. dwindled over the years as well the thing that i'm still terrified to do is sing because really? i'm not very good at singing and i've had to sing a couple of times in some of the bands that i've been in where i've had to like do backup vocals and i don't know why 
but uh, hmm. I've never been like a lead singer or anything like that. But I just get and karaoke is just terrifying to me. The idea of standing up there by yourself and singing a song that somebody else has already sung and everybody has a, an expectation of how that song is supposed to sound terrifying to me. So yeah. the fact that you were able to jump, that's next level. If you've accomplished that, oh, also stand up. I've done stand up once. It's on my bucket list. That's terrifying. I can imagine. It could be so, like, I can imagine uh, it being super, super scary. And if you yeah. bomb, you just feel it all over your body and in your mind. Oh, but, God. But I bet you, if you nail a joke and the whole crowd laughs, there's probably no better feeling you've ever had. Like, even there's high highs know, and low lows in that, right? Yeah. There's no yes. in between really. And the in between you don't get noticed. Like it's so funny because um and I don't want to talk about him at all but I'm just it, it's funny to me that I've learned a lot about stand up culture from listening to Joe Rogan's podcast mm-hmm. but I don't think he's funny at all. Like he's like known as a podcaster, a UFC commentator and a comedian but he was a comedian first and I think that's how he identifies and I think he he doesn't crack the top 500 as funny men to me, you know. Like I'm in the same boat with you. I've yeah. seen his stand-up. It, it, it has no appeal to me at all. I, he shouts I, in a way that's awkward, you know? Well, like, it's just like Kevin James is not funny to me. No, at not. all. No. Um, uh, and he's quite popular. There's, a, there's a handful of, of comedians out there that are like wildly, uh, Dane, Dane Cook, Cook was yeah, never he, when he, funny when he to was, me. When he was popular, but he was also very unpopular among comedians. Yes. So I don't know what that means, but maybe you can, because I feel like comedian culture is something I know a ton about. Like I read biographies of people like Richard Pryor and like, yeah. uh, you know, I, I've watched a bunch of uh, like, I, I, I read something about Jerry Seinfeld um, about how he, he uh, I don't find appro- Jerry particularly funny. I find, I find him show, dated. He's dated now. His but he was show funny at the time. in the, comedians in cough in cars getting caught whatever the hell the worst named show ever Com- um, comedians using cheap production to make profits is that that show is i like that show though do you i do because he's the guest has to shine in that show and that's what i don't like about it jerry could be awesome but if his guest sucks it's not a good show i'm still a fan though there's something different and unique about it and um and uh, it's appealing to me because it, it wasn't what I expected to for, to get from Seinfeld. He seems like he wants too much control over stuff, right? Yeah. Well, and so for me, um, that show was kind of I don't know refreshing a bit because it looked like he he let go a bit and let like, like the guests sort of drive the car. Yeah, because I can visualize him eat very easily laughing at his guest mm-hmm. or with his guest or whatever, instead of, you know, carrying yeah. the humor. Um, yeah. Did you ever you so you did stand up once once. So I'll never do it again. <laughs> Give me one of the jokes. Do you remember any of them? Um, one was I do remember one because it keeps coming back. There's a there is a radio station in town and it was a radio night. Okay. So it was a bunch of uh, radio and media people from around the city. And, um, and it's a, it's a yearly thing. And one of the jokes I, and the audience is all radio people. 
So I sort of tailored my set to, to the, to the industry. Right. And I sort right. of took some shots at, um, at, uh, a couple of the, the jocks in town and other radio personalities, some that I knew would be okay with it. And some that I knew that wouldn't be okay with it. And there's a radio station in town now radio that everybody in the business absolutely hates because they've had wild success and they've sort of gone against the grain and um it, it just drives all the program directors crazy so if you work for another radio station or another radio company that doesn't own this now brand you are guaranteed to have at least a weekly if not a monthly conversation about this damn radio show and why it's successful. I don't get are, it. Like it drives, are they edgy? What are they? No, they're they're not. They've just they figured out some. They've got some formula, and and, and we don't even have enough time to get into why. Okay. Why or the why joke. not? There. Ex- the joke was something about them being, uh, you know, talking for seven minutes about Tupperware. I I I, I can't. <laughs> for, it's not funny because it's funny. <laughs> I I was riffing, right? I, cool, which is what I cool, do. Cool, Daddy O. Tell me how you were. And riffing. the guy, the organizer of the of the uh, of the event, came to me afterwards and said, "I know you didn't win the night because it's a competition, but he goes, you had the best joke." And really, and he he told me it was about the now radio thing, right? So but was he it, was uh, also in the industry. So were the, was the audience like, were they a powerful entity where the audience was sort of like afraid to clap? Like, oh, they took a shot at no, 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 the there, it, there was some booze. There was some clapping. Like yeah. people oh, were good. drunk. It was good. It was fine. And, oh, and, I thought you bombed. I thought you made it seem like you bombed. That would have been uh, awesome. dude. Like, like b- apparently bombing is a whole different type of adrenaline where if you're in it, like if you're in it as a comedian, you I bomb. didn't bomb. No. Okay. Well, that's good. But to me, it wasn't worth the angst. Like I don't need, I don't need it in my life enough. I don't want to do it enough in my life to go through the, 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 the anxiety of, of getting out on stage, sitting in the back, waiting for your turn. Like, it's just, it's not, it's not me. It's not my life. It's sort of the like uh, performance version of um, like bungee jumping off a bridge it is (laughs) and the thing is i think i could probably figure out a way to make it work because i have enough like i have enough bits that i do on a regular basis you've heard them all um that (laughs) some of them are mine (laughs) i could probably um work enough material into um into an uh, into an act that would work but i i again yeah, it's, I feel like I want to try, form, like, man. I want to try to see if I can do twenty minutes where I like polish the hell out of it. Um, and then you see, Bullard has never written a joke. Don't you find that crazy? Like he doesn't do any prep. He doesn't, and this is probably why some people love him and some people don't think he's funny. But he, that's what he does. That's he's like the only comedian that I could find um, that does the same thing. He doesn't write bits. So if he has a show at Yuck Yucks, he's just hanging out. Yep, got a show at Yuck Yucks. But there's no prep. He just goes there. He's a how you doing guy, and he riffs for an hour. And that's what he does. And he's that's all he's ever done. And that's why that at the beginning. That's a gift. He, it's crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, I don't know. I probably told you this before, but for anyone that's um, not heard this story, I, when I first met Bullard, we were up, and and when I first met him in person, we were up at that what you call a uh, broke back cabin somewhere in the middle of the forest, but it was actually a really nice beach house right on the beach. There was no forest anywhere. Um, but he, uh, I told him, I'm like, yeah, I went to your show once when I was like 19. And uh, I got to be honest with you, Bullard, I didn't find it funny. I never found his show funny. And, and the reason why I remember thinking it at the time, the audience was never laughing when you watched him on TV. It was always a smattering or something, you know, and, and I was, and I was, you know, bus, I was busting his balls. Right. And he was like, I could tell you why that was, why you didn't hear any laughter because I remember going to the show and telling, and I told him in Sable beach that I remember, um, being in the studio audience and laughing and everyone was laughing. But then I remember going home and watching it. Cause you know how you do that. You go to a taping of something, then you watch it. Yeah. yeah. I went to watch it. Couldn't hear any laughter. And he was like, yeah, because they would never spring for a crowd mic. He's like, I put it in the production sheet every single year. He said, we need a crowd mic. We need a crowd mic. And they never gave it to him. And so that's why Bullard seemed unfunny when you're watching on television. But when you're, you see him live, even today, like he's, he's funny. So I watched that show when I was younger, not religiously, but I remember being a fan of his and um, I actually, I was at a, a Canadian music week and he hosted the award show. I think it was the award show and he came out and I, we, I was crying. Like it was, it was one of the funniest MC jobs I've ever seen no in my prep. life. I know nothing about this guy. But what he said, and 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 he took shots at people in the room you're not supposed to take shots at. And I think that was part of the reason why it was so funny, because there no one was safe. I mean, there was some really high-powered industry people in that room, and he 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 uh, he took a shot at all of them. And that kind of bravery, I think, is part of the reason why I I respected him. Yeah. And I watched his show and over the years I've I've met people that have had varying and severe opinions of that show one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I liked about that show was his ability to sit sit in the awkward. And and it's something yeah. I've actually learned about and I've I use it and and I don't know if I completely 100% got it from 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 Bullard but he had this way of throwing something out there and I wish I had some examples and just sitting there and stewing on the the awkwardness of it yeah and it would die and he didn't blink he didn't move he had no problem with it just sitting there dying. That's it anybody right else, yeah. anybody else, you could see they would get pulled into the awkwardness of it. He didn't. He would sit there and just revel in it. He yeah, had it's... no problem being funny. He had no problem being awkward. He had no problem with anybody not comp having absolutely no idea what he was talking about. And I do that. <laughs> and I and it's moments, I have moments like that on the show where I will do it to a guest or Jimmy and I'll sit there and just 
let it sit simmer. You've done that and to it me. Dr- it drives people crazy. I, I believe done you've done you. that to me. Yeah. 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 And the reason why it's it's good is because it's memorable. Yeah. <laughs> and I anytime mean... <laughs> anybody walks away from any kind of content and they can remember what it was, whether it was funny or it made them uncomfortable, is is still entertainment. Yeah, you know why you can tell that I'm not in radio? Because sometimes there was like, there's this, <laughs> there's been these pockets like a couple weeks here or a week there or whatever, where I've literally been like, I'm going to find a fucking way to get team. I'm going to find a way to get Lachlan. I'm going to fucking, there's going to be a grifting happening and it's, it's going to take weeks and I'm going to get them so fucking bad. And then my mind goes like this. What if it bombs? <laughs> what if no one gets it? What if you like standing out there by yourself and nobody understands what the fuck you're doing? And so I never really engage. I don't know how to be like, cause you guys are kind of like these really mild pranksters in a sense. And you, you don't even need to collude with each other to work off each other against no. the person that, and it's, and it's yeah. awesome. And the first time it happened, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with these motherfuckers? <laughs> I thought you guys were like, and then, you know, then I felt stupid. I'm like, well, of course they were like, they were, they were, you know, it was like a bit and it was like a freestyle bit. Yeah. And it's so weird because I can't define exactly, like, I don't know what to call it. It's just like, there's almost like, <laughs> like you nod to Dean, but you don't nod. You just can tell. You know, like he'll can, say, you'll I say can. something and he'll say something right away. He's like, good point, Lachlan. And I think, and then all of a sudden you guys are established. It's melded together and target assassin hilarity will ensue. It'll be great. And then the guy's like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, unfortunately, what ends up happening, if you're in this business for any length of time, you and you get comfortable behind a mic, you will, you will start to see. Uh, and weaknesses, that's not the best way of describing it, but describe it like the way you would like, because I think lack of experience, you know, well, well, if somebody reacts to something Mm. a certain way, we can pick up right away on whether or not there's anything worth sort of digging into. And you mean like James getting annoyed and angry? Yes. And so, if you can sort of see somebody's um, again, weakness, isn't the necessarily the best way of putting it, but if they react a certain way or they have a look or whatever, and it it just, it automatically can change the direction of the conversation. And you got to sort of keep going on that, on that path. And Dean and I are good at that. We're good Mm. at exploiting guests and we're good at exploiting people in the the room. Yes. Yeah. And the but reason, the thing, yeah, go ahead. The reason why, um, you might not pick up on it is because you came into this whole thing from a different perspective, right? Like you're, you jumped into the podcasting world without like a background in broadcasting. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you're not aware of some of the, you're not aware of, of some trade. of your weaknesses, right? Oh. Well, you're I not, am now. And that's the you, thing. We've highlighted n- n- a number of your weaknesses, and we do exploit them <laughs> on occasion. 
<laughs> dare I ask? <laughs> no, but the, the, I know, I know where my, listen, you know, what's hilarious. I'm going to tell you this. I told, I said, I wasn't going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you like, I have a real big problem with direct message communication. Like I don't like it. Um, a, I always feel like I'm talking about myself or just busting balls and that's it. <laughs> right. So then I notice it. And then I wonder, am I coming off like a guy that only talks about himself, like some sort of narcissist? So then anything that I type after I have that thought is just awkward. <laughs> I'm like, this is awkward because I am not the same person. For some reason, I can't find myself when I'm chatting with a bunch with like five people in a thread. I it, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be typing. Group I don't know chat. Yeah. I'm not good at group chat. Like put me in a room with you guys. It'll be awesome. But on group chat, it's, there's something that happens where I'm just, I don't know. It becomes like, I like to read body language. That's probably it. Like I'm the kind of guy that like my resume might not impress you, but the interview will. Yeah. You know, um, that makes sense. And so, 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 so uh, like, I guess it was like a few weeks ago or a month ago, nothing actually even happened, but I'm sitting here for like three days wondering like, did, did my DMS make Lachlan go, Oh, Oh, let's put James in this box over here. And then I was like, no, but you're thinking yeah, of no. yourself again. And then I was like, fuck. <laughs> not at all. No, no, no. I know. You're, Cause you're overthinking it. I know I am. And, and that's what I do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that's, but that's, that's common. Like We all do this. If you're in a situation, if you're in a, and I, I've tried to explain this to, to, to people over the years, like friends of mine that have a pro like, or, are embarrassed about something that they did at a party or whatever. Mm. You go into a room, there's 10 people in that room and something happens. It doesn't even matter what happens. Okay. And it could be fairly innocent, but you go to work the next day and it's on your mind. Yeah. You said something. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't even matter what it was. It's way worse in your mind because you're worried about what everybody else thought. What you're forgetting is that everybody else left that party and they're all worried about how they came off. I've used yeah. this numerous times in my life to get over the shit that I've been worried about in, 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 a, in a business situation, right? If I said something or I was too loud or whatever, most people leave because we're all worried about how we came off. Every one of those people in that party left and they're in the cab on the way home, worried about what they were, what happened and what they said and how everybody viewed them. Even they're if you're the so guy that like puked in the punch bowl or something, if you know, it, there's something extreme. You're the streaker. No, no. What did you do that night? For sure. But if it's just fairly casual interaction with, other people, other human beings, that's fine. Unfortunately, yeah. I also have a number of friends like you and like James, where everybody is talking about Jimmy, the, the little person on the show. It's pretty much every social interaction we have. We leave there all talking about James. See, you're busting balls right now, right? Well, I, I am, but you are also a little bit of that. You have a little bit of that where for whatever reason you feel the need to make sure that and you don't even want it but we leave the party going fucking defer, defer, did fuck did you hear what he did last night or did you see what he did last night 
That's yeah, I you. want people to say that. I want people to know what I did last night. Yeah, exactly. As long as it was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I tried watching the podcast where there was two of them, I guess, where I blew up. I'm surprised there's only two, to be honest. <laughs> Given my life and what's going on in my life right now, I'm like, oh, two? Oh, well done, James. Good, good job. But yeah. the, you know, um, it's really, it's kind of cringy, but I know, but I know it's good content. But now I'm, I don't get mad anymore. I get, I'll, I'll get a little annoyed. You'll see it on my face, but I won't, if you were like, Oh, James, uh, you know, and maybe, you know, and you'll say something to push the buttons. I don't think you could push them anymore. I think I could just like laugh it off and, and deflect it away to something else or do a quick one liner and just get out of it. You know, like you can't bust the balls of the guy who's laughing. Can you? Well, you can in a certain sense, you can, but if you, I'm just like, okay, dude, like the, the one thing about you and, and, and this is similar to other people that I've worked with in the past is you're worried about your contribution to the, to whatever it is that we're doing, whether I want to add show, value to the content, you want to add value. So you come into it and you want to be a part of the show and, um, the one thing that I, that the one sort of teaching thing that I have had in the past with people is that you have to, you have to, one, you have to figure out who you are two you have to be comfortable with who that person is. You have to be comfortable with who you are. And three in, in, in a entertainment perspective, you have to realize what it is that you bring to the table and you have to be comfortable with it. And some days your contribution is going to be more than like, and it happens to to me. Like some days I'm just the passenger on these podcasts. It's because of your and phone. Then, I'm really happy that you're not on your phone, at least noticeably. Yeah. And then uh, there's other days where I, I feel like I, I had a big part in it that I was like a major contributor to it. And then there's some days, and this has all happened in recent memory on this, on the podcast that we do with Blundell and there's a cast of characters that he brings in there. Mm-hmm. There's some days where I, there was one there a couple of weeks ago where I was like, I was over the top. I was too involved. I was interjecting at the wrong times. And I literally, at the end of it, I literally sent a note to everybody going, listen, I, I saw that I mm. was, I was over the top today. I was way too, it there was way too much lock in this, this podcast and I apologize, right? There, so there's going to be different sort of, you have to be comfortable with that. You can't. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. You worked with two women, different women doing morning shows in Edmonton, right? Didn't you? Like at two different times, once with the bear, I believe, or were they, were they both with the bear? I'm just asking um, uh, if one of the last name was Crosby. I worked with Nicola Crosby. Right. Twice and, now. 
Yeah, and there was yeah. someone else, McQueen. Mm, Shirley McQueen. Shirley and I have never uh, done a show together. Oh, okay. I read something that she's said that on. She, yeah, she's on Harvard. She's she's in Harvard broadcasting, and she does afternoon drive. But we've never actually sat and shared a mic together. Okay. Well, I guess I'm asking then: Is that anytime you've worked with a woman on air? What has that? What what kind of tools has that given you to bring to a show like the Blundell Show or whatever? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you, do you have to learn more more etiquette or patience or something like that in the broadcasting realm in order to like, you know, navigate water? Because I mean, it's it's going to be different working with Dean and working with Crosby. Probably not the same thing, <laughs> you know. Well, the the Nicola Crosby experiment was um, when I first worked with her it was at easy rock in town. And, um, I had just, I had just gotten shit canned uh, well, not that far away from being fired from a job where I was a program director. So I was on this managerial path in radio. No. And then when I got really? fired, yeah, that wasn't um, your path, right? That you no. don't think, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was I, obvious to me once I got the job in Edmonton to run K rock, K97, whatever the hell. I don't even know what the hell it's fucking called. <laughs> anyway, um, I got brought from Winnipeg where I was on the air and I was a program director. I did afternoon drive and I was the PD. Hmm. And they um, they grabbed me to program the uh, the radio station in the mall here. And that lasted 16 months before they shit canned me. And it was the worst 16 months of my life. It almost killed me. Why right? did you get shit canned? Um. I deserve to be let go. Were you just but, lazy at your job or something? Or no. Just... Oh God. No, that that's never, that's never me. Right. Like I bleed the station. I work my balls off. I, but I you're just... in charge of the playlist that <laughs> that happens at the Edmonton mall. Uh, there's a mall and the West. I didn't Edmonton know malls mall. had a cream list. I didn't know no, that. The, no. the, the mall, the mall has a radio station in it. Actually, the company that runs the radio station is in the mall. It oh, has nothing okay. to do with the mall. Oh, okay. Just, I thought it was it, just the thing over the speaker. No, no, no. It's a ra real radio station, and it's it's a heritage radio station. They launched in 1979, and they're wow. a classic rock here in town, and they, they've done quite well over the years. Like, um, And I ran it, like I said, for 16 months. They shit can me. I don't know if there's anybody that could sit down and tell you why. Um, it was a difficult time in that building. I didn't do myself any favors by the way that I was trying to program. I went in there and I tried to, I tried to move them into, I tried to get them to, when I, shortly after I got there, they said, I said, who's our audience, right? Because you want to know who your audience is. And I said, they said, oh, he's, he's 40. 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, drives a truck. He has a job in the trades. Maybe he like lays carpet. Um, he's got a couple of teenage kids. Um, he works hard. Um, and, I, and, and, and I went, no, you're, that's not your guy. Your guys in his fifties, late, late fifties, early sixties, and he's saving up for a Harley. I, and if you want the guy that's 40, we're going to have to start playing some music from like, they didn't play anything from the nineties, nothing. 
Yeah. I mean, it was Guns N' Roses and Ozzy Osbourne, No More Tears was like the like <laughs> the early, yeah. like, honestly, I swear to God, that was the newest music they played on the radio station. And I'm like, if your guy is 40, we're going to have to ease you into this 90s decade and we're going to have to. Wasn't Play that a, a tough rebrand for 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 radio though? Like the, it is class, classic rock when we grew up was like Led Zeppelin, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Jimi Hendrix, and stuff like that. And and we grew up in the nineties, and all that was new. Calling Nir- it's funny. I can't remember what the years is, but right now Nirvana's like um, it's a thirty-year-old ne- Yeah, the Nevermind album is older to us now than Woodstock was when Nevermind came out, dude. And that that blows my mind. Like, you know, because classic rock is 25 years old, has it's 25 years and it's changed. So when I got there in 2006, I said to them, if you want to get that 40 year old, which they didn't have, the ratings were awful. I said, we're going to have to adjust our playlist and -hmm. we're going to have to shift. We're going to have to shift a little bit. I mean, be playing no more tears from Ozzy Osbourne as the newest (laughs) song on the radio station is not going to work. We, yeah. I mean, if you want to get that younger audience, if you want to, if you want to move into, you're going to have to adjust musically. Plus so the I was of the darkness. guy that was doing I mean, it. No more tears. James, yeah. I was the guy that did it first. Okay. So oh. I started to, in, I started to infuse some Nirvana, some Pearl Jam. I started to put some headstones and some big sugars into the playlist instead right. of jamming street hard up their ass all day. And they didn't get it. It didn't make any sense to them. And the funny thing is, is I, I think there that's one of many reasons why they moved me out and shipped me out of that building. Uh, and again, I made a lot of mistakes. I'm not suggesting that I was a saint, um, but I, I, I dug my foot in and my feet in and I, I tried to, I tried to move them into another decade. The funny thing is, 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 uh, classic rock that's where it ended up going a lot of the classic rock stations in north america ended up doing that four or five years yeah four or five years after i was trying to do it with k-rock in town all the classic rock stations started doing it and because they started to lose their audience right k-rock was a leonard skinner radio station when i got there anyway it doesn't matter it was the best thing that happened to me because it, it got me back on the path I should have always been on, which was on air. Yeah. And, and it got me out of the management side. Two things got me out of the management side of things. One, getting fired from K-Rock as the program director. And two, my wife telling me, that's it. We're not moving anymore. So I mm. had to make it work in Edmonton. So I ended up back on the air and I ended up on a show in Edmonton with Nicola Crosby Hmm. at easy rock. And that lasted about a year before they flipped me over to over to the bear. And then I was on my own at the bear. And then I ended up taking over afternoon drive. And then I moved to, to, uh, to cruise, which is where I am now. When I went to cruise, I ended up going over there with Nicola Crosby because she was sort of in, in a, in an interesting point in her career and I was looking to get into mornings because that was the next evolution of the on-air side thing for me. And so we jumped over to Cruise. They they made us an offer. And I will say this. The morning I, guy was the star when I was growing up. 
like when Dean was doing his thing, like like he was the biggest DJ that I knew. You know, like there was there was like two or three DJs in Toronto, and he was definitely like Dean was one top. of the bigger jocks. In but isn't the it always the morning guy? And is that a Stern effect thing? Is that no, no? no? It, that it was way before Stern. It's always been the 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 marquee spot on radio. Okay, because I don't remember You're, any pre Howard Stern radio personalities that were you know, big and, and morning guys. Like, I just don't, I just don't remember, you know, because that wasn't my scene. It's, but like, it has always been the pinnacle show. Like okay. you, if you're in radio and you want to, and and you want to do this job um, for any length of time, you, you got to go. I mean, you're going after mornings. That's what, because I find you, you guys are either really, not you personally, but like morning guys are either really funny or that full house kind of funny where it's not funny at all, but they still tell the, those kinds of jokes. Unfortunately, there's a lot more of that than, yeah, than (coughs) I don't understand that. I don't know. I I feel like in radio, the the key is not to entertain, but just not to offend. I don't know if if I'm wrong about that, but Uh, (laughs) present company excluded, right? Because you guys do whatever you want. In the in in the present state of radio, you're not wrong. There is this sort of, um, I think we're sort of in a really interesting point in radio right now where there isn't this one attempt at trying to be something in broadcast. I think there's a lot of things being tried and, and, and some of, and some stuff is working. Um, And then there's also this, this podcast phenomenon that we're dealing with right now. That's Mm -hmm. pulling a lot of ears away from radio right now. And, and I think right now, Radio is in in a in an interesting. Uh, I, Dean says the radio is dying, and people have been saying that forever. I don't agree with him I've, on that. I've already said it's dead, yeah. dude. Every time I see, I don't know if you noticed, but every time on on Facebook when I see a radio station ask one of those stupid questions, I'm always like giving I do some that. sort of smart ass answer every single time. Like, do you yeah. guys do that? Hey, yeah. name a fish without the letter A. It's just like, are you fucking? I don't know if ours are that bad, but the whole point is, we do the locker room topic of the day, so we break a lot of the. We we have a lot of the, of the like the the sticky kind of radio stuff on our show, Um, Mm. and I here's the thing, radio isn't necessarily um, like you said. It's not the full house thing. That's not dominating. Uh, Nothing's dominating radio right now. Everyone's just sort of just trying to hang on to their jobs right now is the sense that I get. And, and, but they're not trying though, either. Like, like in general, like those companies that own like 35 stations and they're all playing the cream list. Yeah. There's a lot of fear in our industry right now. So people are, 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 are programming and they're, and they're, they're creating content based out of fear. Um, and they're, and they're also creating content based out of what they think they need to do to make people in the company happy. So th- there's a lot of there. That's what I'm saying. That's why we're in a flux position right now. There, th- there's not there. I think what's going to happen is what I thought was going to happen for years with the music industry. Uh, when Napster and all of that stuff came along, what I think ended up happening was uh, what I thought was going to happen was I thought there was going to be this massive independent movement where people on the, on the music side of the business realized, hold on, I create this, I can control this. 
And listen, I can actually market myself and I might be able to have a successful career without the labels. Mm -hmm. The labels forgot what they were good at, which was the promotion, because they always made the money by being the bank. And they lost the bank because they bankrupt themselves trying to sue the internet out of existence. And then there was too much focus on that. And then I thought, okay, here's the time. This is what this is. This is the independent movement. Everyone's waiting for it never happened. I think it's happening now. It's happening now. Yeah. That's what's going to happen with radio is that radio is going to figure out that, um, that, you can be real, you can be yourself, and you can actually steal from what podcasts, what's, what's been successful with podcasts. You can incorporate that some, it, some of that into your radio show and you can be, it's just taking some time right now because everyone's sitting there still fearful of the big three or four companies that own all these radio stations that As pay your bills. <laughs> you know, they yeah. should be. And, and you know what, what you, the way that you describe sort of like that fear, isn't it just completely diametrically opposite of what podcasting is? Like, I feel like I could do almost anything I want. And, and that's, what's and, lacking in radio right now right. is that sort of that energy that you get from, from what, from watching and listening to a podcast. Yeah. And, and I, I know I, I sound like, a unfortunately, record, but, but the no ads, you got to sit you, the ads yeah. is a big thing. Unfortunately, you got a situation right now where radio is sort of down here and they should be doing more of what the podcast, like from a content perspective, they should be doing that. And podcasts are up here doing that, but they're coming down here where where business is starting to control content because podcasting has become big business so now all of a sudden these guys that are on these podcasts all of a sudden have to start to answer to the guys that are pulling the money strings you're yeah, seeing I mean, it right now with rogan i'm surprised time. that Be- that that's what i'm surprised about with bell and rogers that they haven't like really spotlighted a stable of amazing podcasts I, it, it's it just seems like bad business that they wouldn't also, you're kind no of like you, figuring out how to sell it, and it's too segmented. It, it, it's too it's, it's very sad. The, the content is very saturated. I mean, there's a lot of podcasts that probably shouldn't be on the air, right? Let's be honest, because there's the, thousands. Of the them. down, yeah, the downside of being able to do whatever you want is that you don't have a producer because you can't pay one. You don't have a person maybe that's telling you, or maybe you're not a natural or something like that. Like being a good radio morning guy nowadays, you're like Craig McTavish. You know, you're like the last guy that's allowed to skate around the ice without a helmet. Uh, yeah, that's you know? actually a pretty decent analogy. Uh, you know what, though? I mean, there the th- the thing is, is there's a lot of good radio shows out there. There's a lot of really good radio shows out there. And um, I, I don't I don't think I'm the only guy doing what we do, though. There's another guy that's skating around without a helmet, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's nobody right now that if he wanted to plot a successful career in some sort of broadcasting would go to radio school and then figure out how to be a really good DJ on a radio station. Don't you think that window will be closed in at least 10 years or something like that, where that progression is probably not going to happen. 
I honestly don't think we're ever getting rid of terrestrial radio, James. Really? That's I don't. Well, I, I, I think, think I think we can keep it if it's, it's commercial s- free, and they just say Budweiser Radio, and that's the sponsor. <laughs> it's like you know, like the arenas, like the Scotiabank yeah. Arena, you know, or whatever. Well, I just there's ah, radio is it's. It's the ads, man. We're, we're post advertisement society in many, many ways. Maybe but not with not. YouTube, but we are. We're not. We're we are in the sense that I will watch Netflix, but I won't watch TBS, even if the same movie is playing. Why? Because one has ads. I won't uh, listen to radio because of the ads. I'll listen to podcasts. I am just trying to avoid ads. I get upset when the YouTube video doesn't allow me to skip the ad. Like I'm that guy. <laughs> I just let me skip this shit. You know. But we're always going to have advertising. You're and but we get it in different ways now. Like podcasting like is does getting, that thing. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Podcasting has ads. Well, Dean does that thing Satellite at the beginning radio. of the show, but that's not like welcome to Randy's car lot. You know, like it's not the same. Yeah. It'd be funny if Dean did it like that, because then that would just add to the podcast content. Like it really would. You know, if he did it live like that and he just like shilled for every company as sort of like a joke, I think that would be hilarious in a lot of ways it's funny because there is the uh there uh a positive mike is asking whether or not radio ads are down and 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 uh, and it they has they they have gone down but the number of ads have gone up but the ads have gone down. not significantly i mean no. and that that shifts too and that also depends on your on the radio station too right a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of radio stations will charge um it just depends on what you're charging for a radio ad, right? You know, yeah. and 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 if you're trying to compete, you might actually um what you might end up doing is you might end up um in a, in a competitive situation, you might bring down your 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 cost the 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 cost of the ad, right? right. Well, but, they're doing that now. Um big, big and those then you companies just sell more. The, those companies that own those little tiny stations in like areas where I live get the radio DJ guy to cut ads like for every oh. local business that buys an ad. He's but the guy in every the same way. Commercial. That's the same way. I remember when I got into that radio pimping out, that is those, if you guys don't get like a premium that probably would pay more than what you get in a week for each one of those ads, then you're getting ripped off. Right. Like, I used to go into work and when I first got into radio and the first couple of hours of my job was to go in and voice and produce commercials. What a bunch of pimps, honestly. Whoever it's created serious. that system is like a, a scrupulous and, individual. And like, dude, that's why I got into management because I was making dog shit wages. And at yeah. least the program director had a car, right? <laughs> Like, it was a Buick, but it was still a car. Yeah, it was a Hyundai, but it was, you know what I mean? Like it was one, it would like the guy had a car, he could afford a car payment. And I was like, if I'm going to stay in this business, I can't, I can't spend the next 10 years of my life making $35,000 a year. Like it, it yeah. was, it's, it's hard. Like the front end of the radio business is tough. It sounds right? like a restaurant. Like restaurant, there's a dividing line. I don't know if you ever worked in a restaurant, but there's a dividing line between management and like front and back of the house. Like if you're a kitchen guy or a waitress or uh, or, or a server or whatever or a hostess, like you have one lingo 
And then management will walk by and all the low, all, all the front and back of the house people just stop talking and the manager goes out of earshot and then they start talking again. Like there's a dividing line. Is it like that in radio too, where it's like you're on air, that's our ecosystem. Fuck you, management. You know, you make, you know, give them the finger when they leave the room and shit. Because they're um, that bad. Because that, you know, I've heard horror stories from Dean just from like just the anecdotal stories. That I, he has I think management. every business has a version of its of management versus you know and and there is definitely there's a narrative in in that in the in the radio side of things a, a lot of the, the the problem with the um about with radio right now is on both sides uh, on the talent side and on the management side on the on the operational side you're dealing with um it's eaten it's young it's very difficult to find good talent right now because there's no training grounds anymore uh, there's a ton of voice tracks. They've killed the the small market radio stations. If you, I I had a friend of mine text me one time, um, from uh, he was on his way across the country, and and he was he was driving to Winnipeg, and he and he and there's a there's a famous DJ in the Edmonton market, Todd the God, Todd James, Todd, Todd works, the God, Todd Great the name. God. He's been doing this for a hundred years. And Does Todd he do the, this? Uh, sounds no, like he would no todd todd's a good guy and todd's been working in the new cap now stingray building for forever and they own a lot of, they own a ton of small market radio stations in the prairies hmm. and he is on all of them he's syndicated really he voice tracks wow and so my buddy was like is todd in every city in this and just about right and he's that's the so he's he's way. taking all these jobs away from these from students that could go out there and learn their chops in these small markets and, and he probably makes the, less than 100k wouldn't he because he's like that he's i don't even want out. to talk about what todd makes because it's awful it's embarrassing because i have that's an idea I mean, and it's it's horrible and that's like and it's such disrespect on every side because you want your margins to be bigger but you're doing everything to make sure your margins aren't bigger. <laughs> yeah, All exactly. The, um, just and, lowering and I expenses. What, That's I it. don't know what the answer is, but you're dealing with that 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 part of the radio business is um, is is happening right now. So so young talent isn't getting an opportunity to 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 learn, make mistakes in smaller markets, and get better and work their way into bigger markets. So you're dealing with this huge hole in the industry with talent. And then you're also dealing on the management side of things where I don't know how else to put it. Being a program director of a radio station is the worst job in the business. <laughs> it, it, it It's hands down the worst job. And the guys that are left in it without getting it just, yeah, I don't know how else to put it. Like the wrestler, the movie. Uh, it's it, there's a handful of guys my joke is there's 10 guys in 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 radio that are program directors and actually the joke is there's 11 like 300 stations. and there's yeah. whatever because they all have multiple stations and yeah. there's more there's more than that obviously but the joke is there's 11 guys 10 are active one's in rehab and when he gets out of rehab another, <laughs> another guy one. goes in and in those well, 10 nice. guys just shift around the business it's they all, all communal have they're all in the middle of a divorce they're all alcoholics 
Um, it, every Man. program director that I have had in the last 10 years is the okay, same bro. guy. Yeah. It attracts a certain type of personality. And that's unfortunate because it's an awful job. Anybody worth their salt in this business that would want to do it quits, gets out of radio and goes and does and sells insurance because yeah. it's, it's an awful job. Um, what, what, uh, stepping away from the business like for, first. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing I've noticed recently and, and look, I'm not a student of radio or anything like that, but I understand the romanticization of, of radio. I, I remember listening to my grandparents talk about listening to the war news report on the radio and yeah. families gathered around to listen to like the mystery serials on Sunday nights or whatever it was. <laughs> um, what's interesting is that I think that um, podcasting is in a way mimicking the way that radio was in like the forties. It is. And I love that. I think that's like steampunk. Cool. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it is. it's combining two generations and, and the content um, like I'm doing this thing now, just like helping out um, a local guy and I'm doing, I'm reading news articles and ads from the fifties and I'm doing it in the style that they would do in the fifties. And it's for businesses that exist. Uh, and, and then I'm doing ads for businesses that exist now, but in the 50s style. Huh. And it's fun. It's like theater. It's more like theater than it's like radio. And I, yeah. I think it's neat the way podcasts sort of straddles that line. I don't know. Um, I thought it would be a natural fit for almost any radio guy until I heard you and Dean talking about how difficult a pivot can be because it's not the same. Um, I, I find what I do on podcasts um, quite a bit different than what I do on the show. Um, and, 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 and it's, it's not good or bad. It's just, it's just, it's kind of a different muscle. And I, and I've said this out loud and, and again, uh, we, Dean and I don't agree on this about, because he's basically saying the radio's dead and that in, in five, I mean, he, he basically he's been calling for the death of radio now for forever. Um, and I'm like, I don't think it's going to die. Um, but I think it has a lot to learn. And I think we're making a lot of mistakes right now. We're not doing ourselves any favors, but what I do on the radio and what I do on podcasts is there, there's, there's some differences and, and it's, yeah. and it's different muscles that I have to work when I'm on, on a podcast with Dean or you. And, and when I'm on the radio and, and I enjoy both, right? And mm. I've said this out loud. I think there's a lot that podcasts could learn from radio. And I think there's, because there's a lot of awful podcasts out there. Oh. And I think there's a lot that radio could learn from podcasting. Unfortunately, both are at a, a it's funny when you, when you, I live in this world where I have my foot in it, like I have foot in one and I have a foot in the other. Mm -hmm. And there's this, ego about the radio side hates podcasting and the podcasting side hates radio and they're not willing to sort of learn the strengths and weaknesses from each other right now mm -hmm. does that make sense it does um i also want listen i i think that um a skill set is a skill set and you're able to like smart people versatile people can apply a skill set to several different careers. My wife is like, she was like the top researcher at Nestle for a long time. Um, and Johnson and Johnson before that, like top in her field, like, and 
it was weird seeing someone who didn't have like um, there was no hustle part of her job in a sense where she just had skills and she had experience. But I was always like when the pandemic started, I was like, I bet you could translate some of these research skills to some sort of remote thing. And she was like, I don't know about that. And I and I was and I knew she could. And it was weird because it was like I see that in a lot of people who are trying to make this like jump from something not relevant to something relevant. And or I don't mean it like in that way, but something on its way out for a lot of people and something that's just on its way in infancy and, and making that leap. It's, it, it seems easy on paper almost. Of course, a radio guy would be good at podcasting. Why wouldn't he? But mm-hmm. it's not as easy as you think. And no, and, it's not. Yeah. And, and I think that a lot of, like Dean was saying that he knows guys that have struggled, like, do, do I need my own software like like it's well that bad right and honestly honestly there's the technical side of things and there's a ton of stuff involved in just getting yourself on the air right and then getting it in 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 front of people so that they actually um they actually can see it right and 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 that it's available um that's that's a huge part of it and a lot of these guys don't know how to market themselves right but and and that's one thing that i i'm very grateful for is and I, you and I um, are very lucky in that we sort of got thrown into the deep end of the pool, is how I put it, on the podcasting. This is this this podcast that you and I do Monday to Friday with Dean on the mm-hmm. Dean Blundell Network is one of the bigger and most listened to podcasts in the country. And I, yeah. I mean, we're lucky to be involved and given that opportunity. If we were just like. What would I do if I just had a podcast on my own? Like, you know, well, uh, you do what I do and awkwardly talk to the audience because you don't want to. Have you ever thought I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Cundell and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. I, I, I'm, listen, we're going to go soon, but I wanted to ask you a little bit. I, I knew a guy that would show up at every rave after party with a hand drum, and no matter what was happening, he'd find a way to fit in, and we loved him, and, uh, and then he would leave. <laughs> I was wondering, are you the harmonica guy? That goes to places and just that. jams like the pokeroo and then like, like who was that guy? That was a fucking amazing like harp that that man played. Like I um I I have over the years I start I started playing when I was young and over the years I've been in a couple of bands but I have been I'm aware of what the 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 limitations of the harmonica. Let's just say that it, it's one of those instruments that's um if you if you if you jump up on stage and you play all night with a band, it's tedious. People are not going to appreciate it that much. Mm. If you jump up and do a couple of tunes with a band, it's going to go a lot farther. Right? It's going to have more impact. Um, it's it's an aggressive instrument, and it's a lead instrument, right? And yeah. quite often, it's a it's guitar all, solo. It's a guitar solo, and quite often you're also dealing with. Um, bands and and other musicians that that feel like you're taking away from what it is that they bring to the table so it's it's a tough instrument just to be on it and that's all i play i don't sing i don't play guitar but i I like the way you play it 
You play I, it like you're in like, you know, New Orleans in 1958. And I love it. Right. Like it's it's I have a very I have a kind of a, a different sort of feel to it. Um, but again, even even that, even though that I can play it, I'm not very like I, I'm not very technical at it. Are you self-taught? Yeah. Oh, wow. 100 percent. I have no I can't read music. I have no idea uh, uh, how to read or or like none of that. I just play. I, it's That's total awesome. ear. My I grandmother tried for like six months to play the harmonica, and I was like, I, I can't. Do my it. grandmother plays piano by ear, yeah. like um, oh, yeah. on my dad's side. Used to get up, sit, and just start playing. She was like five foot two and and completely round. And my dad picked up guitar, and then so I thought for sure I'm going to have this like. I'm going to be this amazing musician when I was a kid and I tried piano, nothing guitar, nothing used to drive, I love me, guitar. I used to drive me crazy. My dad used to plug into the stereo and go, yeah. Hey, lock. And within 10 seconds, be playing along with a song and go, who is this? Drove me nuts. Yeah. Those people drive me nuts. I could never bar. My yeah. fingers didn't move where they were supposed to move. And they try these finger exercises. They're great. And I'm like, I, I tried. And My dad, total work. ear player on guitar. Yeah. Just plays, just picks it up and plays. And then um, I ended up uh, uh, having that, that same thing with, with harmonica. I just, I go up on stage and it's just like a pattern that I see in my head and I can just, I can play along. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah, well, people should go and like find some of your stuff. Like they're hidden in the corners of like SoundCloud and stuff, but that you can find you pretty easily. <laughs> There's some stuff out there. Yeah. yeah, I've played. Yeah. Um. All right. Listen, that was a good. I I haven't done a show in two months, so this is like the inaugural show, and I just wanted to like you know do something easy, casual. Yeah, like someone that I knew. Like I have all these like <clears throat> I have all these big guests lined up, so I want to start with someone that wasn't that big, so that you know I get it. I get it. No, <laughs> no, no. Someone I knew. Um, I don't, I want to find a way. I'm determined to find a way to do this podcast because I think I'm a decent interview guy with like, you know, with with people that I don't know. I think that's one of my strengths. But my clear weakness is talking to the audience. I'm wondering, do you think I can find a way to do this podcast without having to talk to the audience? Can I format it in that way? Because I don't I fucking want to talk to your, the audience. I'm sorry, guys, but your, I, just, I love you, but I don't want to talk to you. I want to. Your talk to biggest the issue is that you're in your head too much. You're right. and, right. and stop going analyzing for a second. Like, no, no, you are. You, know? you are. You worry too much about uh, about uh, about things on on a number of levels. And so you don't and think I, I can I, figure out a way? No, I totally think you can. I, but okay. I think you're already there you're 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 presenting you're putting obstacles in front of yourself that don't need to be there okay this well this, this does that mean i should or you, shouldn't talk to the audience what is your opinion no, on that you shouldn't talk to the audience you shouldn't even worry about thinking about that it's a problem you've okay. like you've created that's the answer this, i wanted to hear you've you know. created this idea that 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 this is an issue that you're that you have a weakness on it and and by doing that it's getting in the way of you actually moving forward I don't think it is. The book's getting in the way of me moving forward. <laughs> the book you're writing with Blundell. I bur, uh, or, uh, Bullard. Uh, Bullard. Yeah. Bullard. I I have to I have to like literally crawl into the soul of Mike Bullard every single night, and and sound like him when I'm thinking to myself. That's what I do. So imagine going from that to like, no, I think I need to figure out a way to balance my format for my podcast. Yeah, like I've taken I've taken a break. I, I I took a break because of that because of the book. I was finding no time to do it, 
like <clears throat> it is a difficult job. I have, I have two part-time jobs. I have, I write on the side, I do the podcast and then I do the book and it is not an easy thing. And I got two kids, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So it's not an easy thing when you want to spend time with the kids, especially, which I don't spend as much right now because daddy's always working. Kind of thing. The thing about this and about what it means to the audience is you should stop worrying about that. You should stop worrying about how the audience is going to interact or view you. And, and right? I know why, right? Because if I, if I stop thinking of the, about that, I will deliver content that they will end up liking. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So the less so. you're worried you about really what it is that you need to accomplish on the podcasting or the interview side of things that is, and, and again, I, I don't go into work every day worried about how I'm going to communicate with the audience on the podcast or on my radio show. I, my, my number one goal is, is to try to be myself and try to provide something that might be engaging. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's what people are looking for. And that's what I I'm looking for. Like I I'm looking for something that I, I feel like a, a part of. Right. And that th those are the podcasts I like, and you yeah. have that, you have that in spades, James. I mean, so I, I didn't know that ignoring the audience was an option, Lachlan. I really didn't. Now, yeah. now you made everything clear, you know, and, and I'm not joking about that. I'm and like, if I can, if that, if that is what, you know, what it's going to take, that is fine. I often think, you know, the house of Commons sign language person, I think it would be hilarious if she did the intro, no voiceover, yeah. no text on screen, just a woman signing for like 25 30 seconds would be hilarious yeah. to me once on the procrastination funny. side with the book i mean I, I i i have no idea to help you out on that oh i'm not procrastinating anymore so a funny thing happened um i talked to a guy who has a bunch of books published and i told him like look i've, I've hit a wall i don't believe in writer's block i just was never in the space to write that and i couldn't figure out why and this guy goes he's fairly well known um name him right now um but uh i'll tell you off air but he was like are you trying to get the publisher's vision you know and and so that you can go in a direction that the publisher will be happy with i'm like yeah he's like yeah don't do that <laughs> forget about what the publisher said and then just go write the book and you'll feel free and that's exactly what happened and so oh. now i'm booging like 2500 words a day or something like it's going well dude dude and i just gave you the same advice i guess so yeah i did in a roundabout way I don't know. I don't. It's going to be years before I probably learn you, that problem. If I ever learn you, it. you put and, and we all do this though. You put you, we are our worst, our own worst enemies. We put these obstacles up in front of ourselves, and it gets in the way of us moving forward. Sometimes right? it feels like the place that it that provides good content has overlap with the place that does that 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 makes it difficult for myself. Like if I lose one, I might lose the other. I I don't actually think like that, but as I think of it now. That's what it feels like. You know how like a poet or, or a good songwriter has a lot of pain in his life. And then when the pain goes away and he's done his sophomore album, he doesn't get it back again because his life is great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's that sort of like happen, that. Like, unfortunately. Yeah. Like I'm a scatterbrain and like sometimes it scatters in a direction. And I'm like, oh, there's the cookie. And I'll just like focus on that, hone in on that. For I will say like, I don't know a lot about the craft of writing. I mean, I do a little bit of writing for the show. 
and I've I've done some writing in my past. Like I wrote for, I did some newspaper writing and I've done some blogging and a Dean tries to get me to write like almost every second conversation I have with Blundell. He's trying to get me to, he wants me to blog. Right. Because yeah. I, I've done it a couple of times and, and, and he's like, you, you could do this. You could. And I'm ah. to me, I'm, to me, I, I don't have enough time. Like I, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it well. I don't want to do it half ass. I don't know enough about writing to to not like jump in with both feet. I'd have to jump in with both feet and really have to figure this this out. But well, the one the one thing that 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 I I mean, I will say about when I when I read shit that you write and I've read a bunch of your stuff, you come out of the paper like I, I can, and that to me is a gift. That's a skill that not a lot of people have. If you sit down and read somebody though, mm. do you I feel like that them? about Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi, yeah. when I read Matt Taibbi talk about the financial crisis, I feel like I finally understand it. And I feel like it's like talking to a guy in a bar, but in a way that he just taught me a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't know. I feel I and I, I and maybe it's because I know you now. But when I read when I've read stuff that you've written, I always like, oh my god, that's James. I can picture him. He's coming out of the paper, and that's a gift, man. That's that's a perspective. You 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 have something there, and I I said this for years to a friend of mine in Winnipeg, uh, and you've met him, Brandon. Brandon was trying to be all these things when I met him in Winnipeg. And he was sort of at that point in his life where he was trying to be more than the guy behind the board. Right. right. Cause he mixed music. And, and I remember sitting down with him shortly before I left to Edmonton. We're still friends today. And I, we oh, were sorry, he years. wanted to jump from engineer to producer. Is that the, he idea? was doing everything. He was, okay. he was into TV. He was like, he was, he's one of these guys that gets pulled a thousand different directions mm -hmm. and he's still doing it to a certain extent, but at least, I know for a fact now that he's very focused on, on, on being an engineer. That guy's gift was always sitting behind a board in front of a band and producing a band. And I saw it right away. And I'm like, you need to stick to that. I, yeah. I, you could be wildly successful in this life just doing that. Um, because and that's a good thing for someone to tell someone like us, you know, yeah. like, like and you and you I are, are not the you, same. You should fucking write. You need yeah. to write as much as you possibly can because you're really good at it, man. Well, and and and, and I and I don't know if that means I, that doesn't mean you have to quit podcasting. I'm just saying, no. yeah, I'm just saying you fucking need to write. No, I appreciate that. Well, you write what you how uh, writing rhymes. Honestly, as a white guy, taught me a very valuable lesson. Is that, and I don't always do it when I'm writing rhymes, but to write about what you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, so that you don't fake like you're a gangster. I learned that when I was 14, and that's why those island boys really piss me off. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Have you seen the new video? So much. I, I saw it on silent don't. as I scrolled away from it. Yeah, I didn't. Don't watch, watch it. it. It'll no. just make you. It, yeah. Make you mad. Um, but but it taught me so when you say that's you coming off the page to me that the the reason that i like hearing someone say that other than the fact that it's a compliment and who doesn't like your compliments you know i don't like it all the time but now it's good that um you know i i'm i'm successful in writing how i speak or or, or writing what i know 
and and trying mm-hmm. to put that on paper. I tried for a couple of years at least to be a little bit more highbrow, but mm-hmm. I'm a fucking high school graduate, college dropout. What am I trying to do? Like it's not mm-hmm. being myself. Um, you know, and if I can be and that's happy, radio too, man. That's 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 the same what I was thing. just gonna say. Yeah, it, like it you took are good. Me- at, I've listened to your show or your podcast, um, and I'm like, you sound so comfortable. Like you yeah. sound like you're at home or something. And yeah. that's sort of what I like about you. We're, we have some stuff in common in a lot of ways. We're opposite though, because I think that you know exactly who you are. And so do we, <laughs> I think we know who you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? There doesn't seem to be many fronts there. And if there are, they are fronts, then you got the best poker face of all time. I, I figured out very, very early on, like very young. And, and that's one of the things that, uh, that, that I try to pass on to my kids is just figure out who you are. I, it's been an ongoing. And, and I think we go through different stages in our lives where, where, um, you know, where you, 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 you might struggle with who you are and being comfortable with who you are, but it's the number one thing. And I think that, that you can pass on to anybody, um, whether they're, they're 10 or 20 or 50, like one, you got to figure out who you are Two, You got to be comfortable with who you are. And then you got to stop worrying about what everyone else fucking thinks about you. Yeah. And that, that third one, man, that's, that's a hard one. That can, <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever going to get there. I'll have no, pockets where I won't care. Like I don't, that's you know, a tough one, man. Yeah. And it, but and, I do and the, care. the judgment yeah, but... piece, the judgment piece destroys people. It, it, it on, on all sides. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what we do. <laughs> well, we do it to ourselves and we do it to other people. And I, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I, I know I don't like that. Right. Like we're so much about ourselves and, and we have, it's all about the disproportionality of the offense versus the tidal wave of bullshit that comes to the person who makes the mistake. Cause sometimes it's, it's not an unforgivable mistake, but they did it to one person. And then all of a sudden millions of people are attacking them and people are threatening them. And that, and we love it for some reason. It's like the, it's like the fight in the schoolyard and then the pile on at the end, right? Yeah. Everyone piles on and some poor schmuck at the bottom named Dino, you know, gets a collapsed lung because everyone didn't give a fuck at that moment. Um, I try not to think about it like that, uh, but that's where we are right now. Um, maybe the collapse of Facebook will change things because I'm pretty sure that's going to come up. We've always period. had that judgment piece there, though. It's to this extent, I, I think we're, 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 it's on steroids now, right? Because yeah, because the comment media. section became the main audience that they're yeah. trying to cater to, which is, which is awful. Watch this Aaron Rodgers thing. This one's, this one's interesting to me because you got a guy that I don't think had too many enemies, like and enemies might not even be, even if you weren't a green Bay fan, you had to have respect for Aaron Rodgers. He's funny. He's good looking. He's good at what he does. Um, you know what I mean? Like he, there's, there's all this, this sort of, I, I, I loved Aaron Rodgers. He's, it's always the quarterback or the pitchers that end up being full on mega. Did you notice well, that? But it doesn't even matter whether or not he is what he is now. Watch this, this, like we're, we're pulling him apart now. I've watched clips. I haven't watched the whole thing. Like I've watched. I can't clips. watch it. It's 39 minutes or 36 no. minutes. Somebody told me that, that I needed to go watch it. I've watched. Um, um, I've watched clips of it, like four or five clips. So I've seen maybe 10 minutes of it. Dude, and, it just, he cited Joe Rogan. Yeah. And, and he didn't. The thing that gets me is that he didn't 
think to himself, even if he loves Joe and even if he's like, well, I thought it was good advice. I took it and I felt better. Whether it was that or not, I don't know. He should have... he should be aware of optics at least right now. Joe Rogan is kind of hot because like, you know, people are saying that he's like a little far right. And then he's appeasing the anti-vaxxers. You might not want to mention his name. And then he goes that, I mean, it's honest, I guess. So you can take that away from it. Um, I, I, but I don't think it was the, why are you okay being honest about being friends with, with Joe Rogan and taking medical advice from Joe Rogan, but then clearly lying about other things. Like, I mean, mean, it's so blatantly obvious that he's lying about being allergic to what's in the vaccine. Yeah. See, I read that quote. I didn't see him say it, but I read that quote and that quote, it it did strike me as like a little peculiar that now is when he's making that statement and not before. Right. He's using it to, to prop up the, 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 the narrative that he's, that he needed to not be, not take the vaccine. Right. Right. Um, And at the end of the day, this is a lack of understanding of your own ego. And that's what that's the problem I've had with Joe Rogan. It's yeah, I'm starting not to like him, to be honest with you. I'm 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 starting starting to have a problem with him as well. And it's unfortunate because it's one of my favorite podcasts. The, The problem with where Joe's at right now is that he got so caught up in them making fun of him for taking ivermectin, which, by the way, one, we all know. Most people know that there's two forms of ivermectin and not that we need to get in the weeds in this. Yes, there's a human. Yes, there's a barn animal one. But the problem is, is, is that when he, when you say ivermectin, you're going to immediately be made fun of for taking the, the, the horse fucking paste. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, the problem I had with, with Joe Rogan was, is that he just got caught up on they're lying about me. They're lying about me. They're lying about me. Whereas what he should have done is what he should have said at the at that next podcast after this all blew up is he should have come on and said listen i made a mistake yeah you know i should not be have been message. promoting ivermectin mm-hmm. because there's going to be people out there that aren't going to understand what i said and they're going to go to the ranch store and get the goddamn paste <laughs> And he, he didn't take, he, he's not accountable for that. He didn't take accountability for what he could have been making a mistake on. But that's the Spotify difference. Because if he was still not on Spotify, he probably either he would say it or wouldn't care about the optics in that sense because there was no overlord. The weird thing about it is, is that There's not the weird thing. No. What, what the overlord is Spotify, right? But like the, the, you know, the, oh, sorry. I thought you said who was. But the thing is, is that he has this, um, he knows that the analytics are such that if he isolates or ostracizes even a little bit that right of center Trump light or full on Trump kind of right winger, that his audience share will decrease so significantly. Do you think there's no one from the left listening to Joe Rogan? It's been like two years since they since he's been like really noticeable in the mainstream and and when people go and see him all they see is transphobia you know they see like um a muscle head talking about like you know or or doing podcasts with alex jones you know what i honestly think i don't think he's got anyone on the left anymore to be honest i think he's trying to um i think he's desperately trying to shoot the middle because and he did it well when he wasn't trying yeah, and I think that's yeah, you know what you're Just right, like you said and, before, yeah. and and so he's overcompensating on on both sides, 
right? Because Rogan is the middle. He's the epitome of the middle. And there's a ton of us in the middle. You're in the middle. I was attracted to Joe Rogan because I was like, oh, finally, a moderate, a moderate person, you know, like reasonable, rational. And I think now, now that, that he's over on Spotify, took the hundred million dollar package. He's off all these other platforms. His numbers have gone down. I bet you significantly. Oh, for sure. I bet you in the millions. Just because of, and I have Spotify on my phone. It just doesn't feel the same. I don't know what it is. I'm guessing there is meetings now that he never had, that he's not willing to talk about where they're having conversations about what he can do to stay relevant. Mm -hmm. Um, And the funny thing is with his numbers down, he is still, he is still very relevant. He still trends almost once or twice a week. I see him at trending, top trending, uh, but it's always about the stupid shit he's saying now. I know. I know. That's the thing. And you know what? I feel like a Netflix is a better home for a podcast like that. I don't know if Netflix is ever going to go into that realm. I think they should. Maybe they are already, and I don't know. I don't think they are. But I don't you, know if, but imagine going to Netflix and then hitting your screen or whatever. You go to the homepage and it's like, here's today's Joe Rogan podcast. I would do that. I would do that before Spotify. I don't know why I have no idea what my logic is. It's, it's like when I was younger, when uh, I didn't want to watch movies on the computer, but if it was on TV, I'd make a point to watch it because it was in that. Yeah. I don't know what the reason was. It was a weird yeah. phenomenon with me. It was just like, Oh, it was almost more exciting. No, you're not alone. A lot of people are like that, James. Like it, 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 it's how you, it's what you're accustomed to listen to. Right. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like listening to us on Dean's show when I don't make a fool of myself. Um, and this is the part where I don't talk to the audience and I say goodbye to my guest. Can you say (laughs) goodbye to my audience? Lachlan, show me how it's done. Um, I, you know what, honestly, uh, now that you're putting me on the spot, I wouldn't even know how to do it. Like I, 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 like you see we the sign off one? every day, but it's just a conversation. We we don't think about it. I'm not trying to say goodbye. <laughs> is that yeah. Hacksaw Jim Duggan? Is that where that came yeah. from? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, I needed this podcast to get out of the gate. I'm going to be interviewing a bunch of people in the next three weeks. Um, I'll announce them when the dates get settled by their. I'm glad I could help, James. Yeah. Keep writing and uh, and this blackball thing. I think you are you're a great interviewer. There, there are going to be um, guests and and situations that show up over the next. I don't know, you know, over the over the next what you call it. Yeah, I got know. Chomsky in a month again, and I'm like, well, what what happens if this one bombs? <laughs> like, but I, the I, thing is, then I just, break through it. I think there's I think certain things like we've created this thing with the Dean Blundell podcast. Mm-hmm. Like there's this sort of thing there. I can't really explain it. it it's it's like I, a horn of plenty because th- that's how I got the book. And the funny thing is, is that someone was saying to me the other day, like, well, is that all it's good for? The podcast is like that you got your book. And I'm like, fuck no. If I didn't get my book deal or whatever, I'd still be just as serious about the podcast. I love it. I, I, I And because I am the way I am, I do have like once a week, like an hour, I'll, I'll, I'll be like, fuck, is it all going to fall apart? Is that? you know is is it gonna stay you're is getting gonna, in your I, own way i just want i know but i want it to work so bad and, I, and that is a neural pathway that i ha- haven't learned to block yet so yeah and and the the what i was gonna say was this this format that you have here mm-hmm. is 
is conducive for there are guests that we have on the 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 Dean Blundell podcast that I think this works even better for. Yeah. Right? We Yeah, and, definitely. And like I brought a couple like the Glenn Greenwald interview, I kind of regret bringing to not because it was a bad show, but I think that I would have that would have been, been better on this. That's what I think, too. And Dang, the reason why I didn't put him on this is such a stupid reason in hindsight. It was because I wanted Chomsky to launch the blackballed podcast like episode one. Go back to uh, Greenwald. Go. I bet he'd do it. Yeah. No, I we've gone back and forth a little bit. I'm, I'm I. I know his assistant now pretty well named Marcos, but Glenn is just ridiculously busy and you know, yeah. I get it. You know, we're you not, be able to get we're not huge. As soon yeah. as they see Canada, a lot of the times it's like the music industry. It's <laughs> like that with podcasts. I'm, I'm not kidding. It's like that no, with podcasters too. Some wrong. people are not like really keen to go on a Canadian podcast. We're number two. Dean, Dean has built something though I know, with this has. network. I was telling right? him today on the phone just before this show that it's like he built the ecosystem and I think he should be proud. And I'm surprised he does sleep eight hours a day. I don't know how he does that. There's a community that uh, that he's sort of created. And that's what I really like about being involved. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I, I'm ha I'm really enjoying it. I love my job. I always have. I love getting up every morning, going into work and doing the locker room. Um, but I I'm finding equal enjoyment coming home, rushing home grabbing a bite to eat and running downstairs here to oh, do the podcast with me him too, every day. Me too. I love I'm it. I'm with you. I um, love it. Speaking it's of so which, I'll fun. see him. I'll see you Monday on the podcast. Thank that you for fun, watching brother. live audience. It's all you get. There you go. Good <laughs> night. You guys later. Good night. Thanks, man. Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.